or not. We need those racer uh, ones that go over the top. <laughs> all right. Well, so good to see you guys tonight. I tell you what, we're already having church up in here. I, I'm, I'm just so blessed and so thankful to be here. You guys ready to, I mean, God's already moving. Are you guys ready to just pull on the word tonight? Are you guys, I need your guys' help, you know? I, I can do my best, but if you're not drawn, you can only get so much. So let's, let's draw from it, all right? Well, let's open up in prayer. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to come together. Lord, we just thank you for the corporate anointing that is here in this place. Your presence, you, you, are, you are well pleased because you are manifesting yourself in our midst. You've been here this whole time, Lord, as we have worshipped you, as we have lifted you up, as we've magnified the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that where your spirit is, there is liberty. There is freedom for the captives. That, that, that prison cell has been unlocked. That door has been knocked down, and we can freely walk through it in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we just thank you for the word of God, that it is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, that your word works, and it's working in us and through us, both to will and to do your good pleasure. And we give you praise and glory for it, that your will be done tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, as I was gearing up for this uh, message, uh, for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit brought to me Superman. Now, uh, for those of you that are avid comic people or into superheroes, for that matter, I know I'm sitting by a guy over here who's got a pretty cool car, Mr. Iron Man in the house here, Tracy Martin. Um, but as I was thinking about that and Superman... I, I did a little little bit of research, but, man, he is the man of steel. He can fly. He's bulletproof. He's a bad man. However, Superman still had an Achilles heel. He still had one thing. He still had one weakness that could shut him down and cause him rendered powerless and, and, and his strength depleted. Can anybody help me with what that is? Kryptonite. So I did a little homework here since I'm not the avid comic man. But uh, kryptonite, it is a green radioactive substance that can be used by villains to defeat Superman, leaving him paralyzed. And, and I thought this was interesting, too, how the man of steel, Superman, he gains his strength from the power of the sun, the S-U-N, the, the sun in the sky, the fiery ball. He gains his strength from that. You know, and although this is a, a fictional character, uh, the Lord began to draw this out and that there's a lot of interesting parallels uh, between Superman and, and us as Christians. Uh, you know, when we look at our lives in general, our kryptonite uh, it really boils down to the one thing. Everything stems from this one thing, and that kryptonite is fear. Fear that, that the enemy uses that can stop our faith in its tracks, rendering us powerless. And if we don't resist it in the name of Jesus, you know, it, it can, it can um, keep us from moving forward in God. And I think the Lord tonight is really wanting to cultivate a spirit of faith in his church because it is the very spirit of faith that will cause us to overcome the enemy. It is the spirit of faith that will put the spirit of fear on the run. 
So the good news is that, that, you know, there is fear all around us. I mean, Greg was hitting on it. So much of our songs of worship tonight was really just in line. And I, I'm not surprised by that, that the Holy Spirit is laying the groundwork tonight. That no matter what is going on in the world, we got fear all around us, but yet we're singing, It is well with my soul. We can have it going on all around us, yet we do not have to allow it access within us. That is a choice. That's why it says in Proverbs, guard your heart with all diligence. And, and it also says, too, in another verse, Lord, may I hide your word in my in, let it, may I hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The heart is the gateway, it's the access point. And we need to say no access to the enemy when he comes knocking on the door of our hearts with the kryptonite called fear. So Superman got his strength from the S-U-N, but we get our strength from the S-O-N, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, fear and faith are made of the same substance in unquestioning belief being fully convinced, being fully persuaded of something that will come to pass. Faith is based on the truth of God's Word, that, that He who promised is faithful to perform it. Fear is based on the lies of the enemy, that what he says will come to pass. So it's the same substance. It's, it's what are we going to bait on? What are we going to lay hold of? What are we going to entertain in our thought life? Are we going to allow the media and everything and the chaos going on in the world, are we going to allow that fear to infiltrate us and rob us of our faith in God's Word? Are we going to believe the report of the Lord? Are we going to be believe the report of the enemy or what we're hearing on the news today? You know, there, there's a lot of valid... Um, reasons out there as to why we could yield to fear there, there's a lot going on out there you know if i'm being chased by a lion god put that fight or flight in us for a reason why to to get us to safety to get us out of danger however uh most of the fear that the enemy throws at us is fictional Fear, I love the acronym. Many of you have probably heard it, but it's false evidence appearing real. Have you noticed in your life the things that have caused you to eat half a bo bottle of Tums, you know, and you're just constantly in anxiety and your mind is being bombarded with all of this what ifs. And let me repeat that, what if. That could or, or, or may not happen. More times than not, when we reflect back on those things that, that was robbing us of joy and peace and enjoying everyday life, that was stripping us of our faith as we yielded to the spirit of fear, we look back and say, wow, what a waste of time that was. What a waste of time. Because those, th I don't know what the statistics are, but it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. I mean, probably over 80% of the things that we fear don't even come to pass. Maybe just chew on that for a minute. Maybe just think back for a moment on some things that maybe really gripped you. And come to find out, man, that was just total 
waste of time. And that's that's what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to deter your attention from the things of God and get them off into no man's land. Because if he can get you out of no man's land, if he can get you out of uh, under the umbrella and under the shadow of the Almighty, where there's protection, provision, safety, grace, blessing, favor, everything that God's trying to get over to you. If you get out there in no man's land, it's what they do in the wild. They try to separate the weak one from the herd. But if you can stay with the herd, that's why the the Bible says don't, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Why? Because we're stronger in unity. We're stronger together. But when the enemy can isolate us and pin us against a wall, he will defeat us every time. As he whispers those sweet lies into our ears, we begin to start entertaining those things. And those lies become the reality in which we experience. Even though that it's not real, it is our reality. Kenneth Copeland made this statement. You might want to write this one down. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. God is wanting to get the mixture out of our lives. <clears throat> Think about this for a second. If I gave you, a, say, you know, a three-quarter can of this turbo, and, uh, <laughs> and, and I'm just getting rolling here. But say I put about a, you know, a quarter of antifreeze in there, you know, 75% of that's good, but 25% of that could kill you. Would you want to drink it? Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. They can't cohabitate. This is one of those things, it's, it's, it's either or, it's not both and. There's a lot of things that are both and, this is not one of them. <laughs> You got to take a choice. You got to take a stand. You got to draw the line in the sand and say, okay, I'm going to cultivate the spirit of faith, or I'm going to allow the enemy to take root in my heart and in my life with fear. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to go down that road anymore. So if you guys got your Bible, 2 Timothy 1, chapter 1, verse 5 and 7, 5 through 7 in the NLT. Paul's writing to Timothy, and this, this is, uh, to get a little context here, this is Paul in his latter days, in his latter years. He's getting to that point where he's about to say, I fought the good fight. I, I, I finished my course. You know, I'm, I'm, about, I'm about to get out of here. And so he's getting, giving those, these last few nuggets over to his son in the faith, Timothy. In verse 5, he's saying, remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that the same faith continues strong in you. Verse 6. This is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power a spirit of love and a spirit of self-discipline, or you could say a sound or calm and well-balanced mind. Now, there's a lot we could unpack here in these, in these three verses. Uh, but initially here, Paul is wanting to remind his spiritual son of his genuine faith. You know, at this point, uh, 
Timothy's a young minister. He's he's the pastor of the uh, church at Ephesus that is at large is growing to be very large. And, um, you know, he's experiencing people in his church, probably uh, older people in his church that are trying to tell him how to do things because he's just a young guy and he don't he don't know anything. And, uh, you know, the temptation for the fear of man to come in and grip you, you know, he could be feeling uh, weary. You know, uh, there's a great move of God going on in this church, but there's great challenges and adversity taking place in spite of all of that. Uh, Timothy was always faithful. He was always committed. When, when, when Paul would always give, a, he would always be bragging on, on Timothy. He was all, Timothy was always faithful to God. He was always faithful to Paul. Yet fear and weariness and probably even coming to a point where he's even doubting his calling. I don't know about you, but I think we could all probably raise our hand at one juncture in the road saying, man, what am I doing here? <laughs> Am I even supposed to be here right now? Because it just seems like, you know, maybe things aren't going the way that I thought they were. And that's why we got to look beyond what we see in the natural and begin to see through the eyes of faith, see through the eyes of the Spirit. You know, uh, it, it's so easy, and, you know, Pastor Greg talked about this the other day, when, when we're doing our business for God, isn't it so convenient that the enemy brings someone across our path at just the right time, or I should say at just the wrong time, to say just the wrong thing to you, to try to discourage you out of the very thing that God has called you to do? What are you doing, you know? Uh, is God in this thing? You know, and just try to talk you out of the very thing that God has called you to do. But we don't look at the things which are seen. But we look at the things which are unseen. Because the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are unseen are eternal. We need to be driven by an eternal perspective. We need to elevate our thinking. We need to elevate our mindset and begin to see things through God's eyes, through the spirit of faith, and not through what we see in the natural realm. Because this is so temporal, guys. This life is but a vapor. We need to be driven by eternity. And I think that people are so short-sighted these days looking at life as a 70 or 80-year um, lifespan rather than this grain of sand called time on earth is going to determine what we experience in eternity. Not where we're going to experience it, but how we're going to experience it. Whether we're going to receive rewards or whether we're, we're going to miss out on God's best. So what we do in this life, having an eternal mindset, knowing that it's not about what other people think, but it's about what God thinks and doing what God has told us to do. I think it's, it's time to reflect back. When, we, when, when uh, Paul was telling Timothy here to stir up the gift of God on the inside of you, we need to look back to that time when God called us, when God spoke to us and say, you know what? God spoke to me. And, and we need to revisit that rhema word that God had given us and draw strength from that. Uh, I, I love what... Um, uh, David did, that, that when no one else was there to, to encourage him, when no one else was there to give him a pat on the back and the encouragement he needed, what did he do? He strengthened himself in the Lord. I tell you what, when we can learn to strengthen ourselves in the Lord our God and not be dependent upon other people, thank God for others. Thank God for a pat on the back. But guess what? Whether I get it or whether I don't, I'm going to be all right because God is with me. He is for me. He is in me, and he's going to see me through 
through to the end. He is your source. He is the one that called you, and he is the one that's going to sustain you. Mm. So Paul is emphatically telling him, stir up the gift of God on the inside of you. I believe he's commanding him, stir this thing up because it's not going to stir itself up. We can't be dependent upon other people to stir us up in what God has called us to do. We need to say, Holy Spirit, we need to get in our prayer closet. We need to seek God. As it says in uh, Psalms 37, 4, that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, He will give us the very desires of our hearts. And what that means is He's not going to give us our carnal desires, but when we're genuinely delighting in God, He's going to give us His desires. He's going to give us His desires, His passions, His dreams, His ambitions, His plans, His purposes, His pursuits for our lives are going to well up on the inside of us, and we're going to begin to embrace the very heart of the Father so that we can be led by the Spirit. Paul's saying to Timothy here, don't think, or, or uh, it says here in uh, 1 Timothy 4.12, don't let anyone think less of you because you were young. I don't care if you're young, old, or middle-aged. It doesn't matter. This applies to all of us. We need to be an example to all believers in what we say, in the way we live, in our love, in our faith, in our purity. We need to be that example to people. So here's what I really want to get to here. Fear or intimidation will cause the gift of God on the inside of you to lie dormant and inactive. Fear or intimidation will cause the gift of God on the inside of you to lie dormant or inactive. That's why Paul said stir up the gift because you've allowed the spirit of fear to come in and that gift that God gave you, that I imparted to you when I laid my hands on you. you got to stir it up because it's lying dormant right now. And God's saying, stir it up. Resist the spirit of fear so that you can rise up, so that the gift of God on the inside of you can operate the way that God designed it and created it to function, so that the anointing of God can be manifest on your life because the spirit of fear will cause the anointing to diminish. Everything in the realm of the spirit is activated and released by faith. Romans ten seventeen says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it comes by hearing. That's only the first step. We turn it loose by speaking it out and declaring it out of our mouths. I like what Hebrews 10.23, I like it in the King James Version in this, in this verse. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he, uh, for he is faithful that promised. So our confession, the words coming out of our mouth are critical. We've been hearing that. This, this is like a, just a repeating theme that we've been hearing lately through the book of James and through church, through church devos and stuff. Our words matter. And so we can't be loose-lipped and negligent in our language. We need to cultivate the language of faith and say what God says. If God's not saying it, don't, don't get involved in those conversations. You know, that, that gossip and things like that is in a list, and Pastor Greg could probably help me with that. But it's in a list of other sins that appear to be greater 
murder and other things, and it's like, whoa, you throw gossip and slander in there with all of these so-called bigger sins? You know what? Gossip is toxic. And you know that statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? I think we can get over a broken arm a lot quicker than a broken heart. And some of the things that were spoken over our lives when we were younger that just continue to haunt us. Those words, they may not be physical, but they have a lasting impact on our lives. In Deuteronomy 28, it says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, but I'm pleading with you, choose life. The choice is yours. I set it before you. You make the choice. I didn't make robots. I have a family. You are my family. This is the family of God. And I want you to love me by choice. Nobody wants a friend that's forced. Just like a father doesn't want a son that doesn't want to be with him. We need to say what God says because his words are anointed. The word preaches itself. I'm going to show you that in a second here. Just reading the scriptures is anointed. You don't even have to be a preacher. Just read the Bible. <laughs> Just read the word, and it preaches itself. It's already anointed. And, and it is the anointed word that breaks us free from bondage and from the spirit of fear. All right. You, you guys tracking with me? Doing all right? I really want to try to end early because I, I believe that the, the, the Lord wants to do some things. But we'll... Lord, help us. Okay, uh, Romans four seventeen through 22 in the New King James. It says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Okay, so this is God talking to Abraham, the father of our faith back in Genesis. He's saying, I made you a father of many nations. Now, just a little background context at this point. Abraham's about 100 years old. Sarah's about 90 you know, the likelihood of, of reproducing is slim to none. Yet God is saying, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Now that just, that just doesn't, logically, you can't reason that out. That just doesn't make sense. That's just, you know, how, how could that be? But yet God could never lie. That's what's so encouraging. You know, people can let us down. People can lie to us. God couldn't lie if he wanted to. He is the very spirit of truth. So we can take what he says to the bank. That's a good thing. This, this word is everlasting. It's something that we can, it's, we need to build our life. It needs to be the anchor for our soul, for our lives. So I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of him who, whom he believed God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That is the very spirit of faith right there. Calling those things that be not as though they were. You want to know what faith is? That's it right there. Calling things that be not as though they were. Sometimes people are like, what is faith? What does that mean? It is the substance of things, the evidence of things, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen in Hebrews 11.1, 1, I believe it is. But in essence, what, what God is saying here, it's calling those things that be not as though they did. So God is saying here to, to um, a childless uh, couple 
that, that you're going to be a father of many nations. He's calling those things that be not as though they were. He's speaking forth the word of faith. So verse 18 says, Who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. So in other words, Abraham said, Well, God said it. It must be true. It's just that simple. Sometimes we just got to believe what God says. Faith is pretty elementary. The, the religion wants to complicate it. But, but Jesus makes it simple that a little child can lay hold of it. it, it it's, it's incredible. We, we, we overthink this stuff. <laughs> but it's, it's really very simple. He just took God at his word. Okay. I, li- I like what Pastor Hagin says. God's word says it. I believe it. That settles it. Just take God at his word. So contrary to hope or contrary to what it looked like in the natural, he believed anyways, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall, and get this, according to what was spoken. According to what was spoken. Now, my first pastor, Pastor Jack Holt, amazing pastor, uh, out of Kent, him and his wife, Joyce, Greg and Starlene know him, uh, amazing man of God, um, made this statement. There were so many things that, that stuck with me that he said. But he said this statement. He said, a thought unspoken dies unborn. A thought unspoken dies unborn. And that's Jack Holt said that. A thought unspoken dies unborn. Now, that, that, that can be something that we can apply. Um, we've heard it said before, if you don't have anything nice to say, what? Don't say anything at all. We hear it all the time. I put my foot in my mouth again. Well, just shut up. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut. It'll do a lot less damage. You know, there are people out there that just run rampant at the mouth, and then they're always having to do damage control. If you just keep your mouth shut, you know, you'll be all right. You know, even Proverbs says even a fool acts, you know, smart when he keeps his mouth shut. So we, we could, we, it would behoove us to, uh, to take heed to that. Uh, a thought unspoken dies unborn. So if you don't have words of faith, and, and I, Tony's seen this in me, and I'll, I'll use myself an ex- as an example. If I'm just having an off day or whatever, I'm very good at just keeping quiet. I just shut it down. You know, um, I'm pretty even keel, but I just shut it down and, and just let the moment pass rather than just vomiting on people and having to clean up after it. In my perfect note, I've certainly missed the mark there, but that's something that I strive for. I strive, you know what, if I, if I just don't have it in me right this moment to speak the word of God, just shut it down. That's just good sound advice to you. Um, if, you, if you're not in that moment, and there are those moments, we get so flustered sometimes, just give yourself a chance to cool down before you say anything. Just simmer down, you know, and, and, then, and then we can calm down, you know, and, then, and, then, and just keep quiet until you can speak God's word out. Amen? Amen. So according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And here's Abraham, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Already dead, since he was about 100 years old, in the deadness of Sarah's womb, 
He did not waver, verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. How do we get strengthened in faith? we got to feed on his word. And what it, is, it says next, giving glory to God. So we need to worship God. We need to praise God. We need to thank Him for His goodness. We need to thank Him for His faithfulness. We need to thank Him for what He's already done, what He's doing behind the scenes, and thank Him in advance for the things that are coming. When we do that, an attitude of gratitude rises up when we give thanksgiving and praise to God. It's amazing how our countenance changes when we lift up God, how our attitude can change. And then when our attitude changes then our words can start coming in line with with what he wants us to say. Uh, Let's see, verse 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced. He was fully convinced. He was fully persuaded that what he had promised, what God had promised to him, you will be a father of many nations, he was also able to perform it. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. I already told you this statement. A thought unspoken dies unborn. Jesus always, always spoke the word of faith. I don't know if I got this scripture, but uh, Mark 4. Greg, could you read this for me? Mark chapter 4, verse. Oh, it is. Okay. Greg, you want to read it to me? All right, praise God, I think that's it. So in this portion of Scripture, I just, I just kind of noticed this, but in this story, Jesus started with a declaration of faith, and he ended with one. First of all, he declared, hey, guys, we're going to the other side. He declared right out the gate, it doesn't matter what's going on in the water, the wind, the waves, you know, some giant you know, shark or whale wants to come and butt up against us, by golly, we are going to the other side. So he spoke, he, he spoke into existence. He, he declared what was going to come to pass. We are going to the other side, boys. And what did he do? He proceeded to take a nap. <laughs> are you guys getting this? We're going to the other side. And then he took a nap. Faith rests in the Lord, trusting in what he said. Faith can just lay back and chill out, knowing that my confidence is not in what's going on around me, not in what I can do or what I can conjure up or what I can rationalize or try to figure out. My trust is in God. 
And when we put our trust in the Lord, we can enter into his rest. He's wanting us to enter into his rest. He's calling us into his rest. He's saying, all those who are weary and heavy laden, what come to me and find rest for your soul. And then at the end of that thing, when the he's, he's not even moved, he's taking a nice long power nap. I'm sure he's getting some good REM there. But they woke him up, and what did he do? He spoke again, silence or peace, be still. So he made a declaration that we're going to the other side. And then at the end... He took authority. He took authority. You know, Jesus delegated his authority and gave us his name to use against the storms of life, against the enemy, against sickness, or against anything that tries to oppress us. He gave us his name. He gave us his authority. And no matter what it is that we are facing, he's he's saying, speak out of your mouth, peace be still now in the name of Jesus. Peace be still, because I'm going to the other side of this thing. I might be going through the valley of the shadow of death, but I am going to the other side of this thing. So just as, as, uh, you know, with Joshua, God is calling us all to be strong, bold, and courageous. The church, and and the thing with fear, too, is it causes us to uh, become silent, The enemy wants to silence us. The enemy wants to silence the church through the spirit of fear because he knows if we can keep our mouth shut, he can render us powerless just like that kryptonite. If he can keep us quiet, if he can keep us from speaking out what God says, speaking out the word of God, he can beat us. He He can hold us down. But God is calling us to rise up as a church. If he's saying this to Joshua in the Old Testament, who didn't have the Spirit of God living on the inside of them, who didn't have the Word of God at their fingertips, that didn't have the New Testament revelation, this was Old Covenant stuff. We live under a New Covenant based on better promises. And we got the Spirit of God abiding and residing on the inside of us. I'm telling you guys, we have the upper hand in this thing. We have the upper hand. The enemy is under our feet. We need to just remind him of that. And if we don't know our rights and privileges in Christ, he will take advantage of us. He will cross those lines, just like kids do with their parents. If they don't know the boundaries, if the boundaries aren't set, kids will cross those lines. Same thing with the enemy. If we don't draw the line in the sand and say, Satan, you got no place, you got no right, you got no access, he will cross those lines. So we need to put up those lines. We need to put up those barriers and give no access to the enemy in our lives. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. I I ask you to just examine yourself tonight. How many things have you tolerated in your life for too long? And it has become the norm in your life. How many things have you tolerated Because the enemy is subtle, he is crafty, he's not an idiot. He doesn't always come in with both barrels blazing, but all he needs is a crack. 
And if you give him a crack into your life, slowly but surely your foundation will begin to crumble. Don't give access to the enemy. Don't give him an inch or he will take a mile. Call in those things that be not as though they were. We sing old old songs. Let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. Let the sick say I am healed. And let me just say this, that courage is not the absence of fear. If you're waiting for fear to go away, the God of this world is the spirit of fear. And as long as we are in this world, fear will be around us. So do not put on the brakes because you feel fear. Do it afraid. Do it anyways. Because if you're waiting for a fuzzy feeling to make a move, you're never going to make a move. Do it afraid. Step out in faith afraid. Feelings are fickle. Don't let your feelings rule you. Do it afraid. Be obedient to God regardless of how you feel. It's so easy to get so touchy and feely, and I'm guilty of that myself. But we got to press past that. In spite of how I feel, I'm going to be obedient to God. I don't... I like what Joyce Meyer says, I don't have to feel confident to be confident. I don't have to feel, oh mighty man of faith, to be a man of faith. Think about Gideon and the angel, and uh, that was a great message by Aaron the other weekend. Um, the, the spirit of the Lord coming along as, as, as Gideon's at the threshing floor hiding from the enemy. And the angel of the Lord, what? Calling things that be not as though they were. Oh, mighty man of valor. Huh? We, even when we don't believe it, we got to lay hold of what God says. Even when we don't feel it. It's like that song says that even when I don't feel that you're working, even when I don't feel that you're moving, I know that you're working. I know that you're moving. That's faith. It's not a feeling, and when you step out in faith, when you do it afraid, when you say, I'm going to be confident even when I don't feel confident, the feelings will follow. The feelings will come in line because God knows that we need feelings. We need emotion because that emotion produces passion in us, but it's faith in God's Word that it needs to be our foundation because He is our rock. He is our, he is our salvation and our firm foundation. Jesus said, I will keep you in perfect peace when my eyes are stayed on you. Ezekiel 37 says, you know, it, it's the valley of dry bones. That we need to walk through that valley and, and examine those dry, desolate areas in our lives and begin to prophesy over them, begin to speak the Word of God over them, begin to call things that be not as though they were over those situations, and that your words... Uh, we frame our world by our words, just as God did in Genesis. See, Satan is not a creative being. He's just a counterfeit. He just takes what God creates and perverts it. But we are creative beings. Why? Because we are God's kids. We are created in the very image and likeness of God. Not even angels have that. Only God's kids do, you and me. So we, our tongue is a creative force. 
We frame our world by our words. So as in Ezekiel 37, we need to prophesy over those dead areas in our lives, calling things that be not as though they were. God, is, for some of you, is wanting to, to uh, clear the canvas and give you a fresh slate. He, um, he has actually written out in advance, before the foundation of the world, the very storybook of your life. And now he, he will show you a glimpse of the end in the beginning. Now he wants to take you back to chapter 1 and walk it out by faith with you. He is the author and the finisher. I like to say this. Another translation says he's the author, the developer, and the finisher. He's got to develop us before he can finish us. So he's wanting us to walk out the storybook of our lives. One of my, I kind of coined this for myself. I don't know if it was mine or not, but I'll, I'll take it anyway. The word you get excited about is the word that works for you. The word you get excited about is the word that works for you. Excitement comes when revelation comes. But it takes time and it takes effort. It takes uh, daily deposits in the word of God to where it takes root in our hearts. Because oftentimes we read the word of God and we don't believe a lick of it. We look at it from the, nat- the intellectual standpoint, and that's where the renewing of the mind needs to take place. We need to be cleansed with the washing of the water of the Word, and it's not a one-time occurrence. We need to stay in it continually. I've talked to people, man, Terry, I- I've done this for a week, and nothing's happening. Sometimes we've got to stick with it longer. You don't put a seed in the ground, and next week got a, you know, an apple tree. It takes time. Through faith and patience, we inherit the promise. Lord, give me the faith, give me the patience that I might inherit the promise. This life is a marathon, not a sprint. We need endurance. We need perseverance. We need grit. We need steadfastness. We need a confidence that's going to see us through to the other side, to where we can get knocked around. Uh, We can be like that palm tree, though it's uh, flexing. It does not break. It has a flexible strength. It has a durability. My, my prayer and my heart's desire is, Lord, make me a low-maintenance, high-impact individual. I want to be low-maintenance and high-impact. I don't want to be babysat. I don't need people checking up on me all the time. I want you guys and others to be confident that Terry's seeking God for himself. Now, does that take away from accountability? Absolutely not. We need people checking up on us. We need accountability. But we, we, we need to be people that are low maintenance and high impact individuals for the kingdom of God. Let me give you a definition here of spiritual growth. This is from Doug Jones. And praise God, pastors got him coming out here uh, Next year, praise God. So be there, be square. Doug says this, though. This is essentially the definition of spiritual growth. When our Bible form beliefs govern what we think, what we say, and what we do. When our Bible form beliefs govern, or you could say dictate or determine, what we think, what we say, and what we do. In other words, we want to have so much of the Word on the inside of us that it determines and dictates our thought life. It determines and dictates the 
the things that we say, the words coming out of our mouth, and it determines and dictates our conduct, our acts, our attitudes, our behavior, the way we treat other people. Our Bible form beliefs governing what we think, say, and do. I'm, I'm finishing with this scripture, and, and, and Joe, if you could get the songs ready, I believe the Lord wants us to minister to him, and as we minister to him for a few minutes, he wants to minister back to you. He's got some things that he wants to say to you guys tonight. So our final scripture, guys, Isaiah 41, verse 10 in the Amplified. Be encouraged with this, guys. Do not fear anything, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Be assured I will help you. I will certainly take hold of you with my righteous right hand, a hand of justice, a hand of power, a hand of victory, and a hand of salvation. Do not fear anything, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Be assured I will help you. I will certainly take hold of you. And as we minister to the Lord, just think about that. Do not fear, I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Just as we minister to him, just envision him wrapping his arms around you, knowing that his hand of justice and power and victory and salvation is working within you. Amen.